on this episode of Geek Out Loud, we are in March of 2016, all you future people. That means my brother from another mother is here to discuss all the movies upcoming and maybe a few in the past. So don't geek out loud. Again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson, and I am so glad to be here with you. It is March 2016, as we said in the opening. That means one thing. That means pass the corn. And here to uh, to share in the popcorn with us, ladies and gentlemen, my brother from another mother, all the way from up the East Coast. Eris Schernevis. What's up, man? Hi, Steve. Uh, <laughs> look, you got to get over this free agency thing. You got to let it go, man. Hi, Steve. You, got <laughs> 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 you sound like Ross from Friends. Hi. Oh, that's <laughs> not what I want to sound like. <laughs> you know, early on in the in the show, he'd always, hi. He'd always come in, Hi. <laughs> That's, that's what it sounds like. So, I'm sorry about the Broncos losing so many people on free agency day. Trust in John Elway. Yeah. Um, um, trust in John Elway. Um, oh. Trust in John Elway. Um, <laughs> Is that what the Broncos fans are cheer- are chanting to themselves today? That's how he won the Super Bowl. Well, I, no, I think it was the power of Blucifer that won the Super Bowl. Blucifer? Blucifer is the big horse statue outside the Denver airport. Oh yes, that's right. That thing is a uh, is well, a, maybe that and a little of John Elway building that team that he did. So. Indeed, indeed. So well, but look, that's not what we're here to talk. No, about. not at all, not at all. Because I have expended the extent of my knowledge of professional football. So the Denver Colorado Broncos lost a few people in free agency day, but that but look, they defeated the North Carolina Black Panthers. <laughs> so. Actually, I had someone email me or tweet me or something about it's just the it's just the Carolina Panthers, Steve. And I'm like, it is just the Carolina Panthers, right? Steve. And I, it's like I it's like you're and I told the person I tweeted back, I'm like, you're ruining the joke, man. And he's like, are you a fan of the Falcons? I mean, are, I said, are you referring to the Atlanta Georgia Merlin Falcons? And I think then he finally got the joke. Atlanta, Georgia, Merlin Falcon. Merlin is a type of falcon, and it most resembles the fa- that is found in Georgia, and it most resembles the the logo. So that's the one I went with. So a little Audubon Society humor is that's that right. what you're throwing well, out there? Just a little bit. Like I I have really come to enjoy calling team names, sports teams' names, with city and state, <laughs> and extending the the full name of their team as much as I can. I haven't tried this across the board. Well, if you're going to do city and state, the weird thing is is that so many of them don't actually even play in the city that they Right. Claim exactly. Play. That's you well because their stadiums are like in the county outside the city. Right. 
you know, and so but then and then you get into situations like the Jets. Yeah, the Jets and the Giants should both be the Meadowlands, New Jersey <laughs> Jets or Meadowlands, New Jersey Giants. Do the Giants not play in New York anymore? Neither team does. They both play oh, in the same stadium in I, Meadowlands, New Jersey. I didn't realize that. I thought just the Jets did that. It's the arena where Kristen goes to see uh, Bruce and stuff like that. Yeah. And then our good friend in the chat, Doc Zen, when we were talking about the movie Black Panther last time you were on, we, we mentioned it. He got all worried that we were getting political. Uh, of course he did. Yeah. So <laughs> it was like, go. <laughs> Someday you're going to have to explain this Doc Zen character to me. Uh, there's no explaining Doc. There's no explaining Doc at all. So, um, well, dude. You, we were talking off air or, or before we got recording. I had assumed you'd seen Deadpool and you have not. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to. I'm certainly excited to see it. It just, uh, the opportunity hasn't presented itself. I've uh, been spending a lot of weekends with the nephews and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, from what I understand, not a movie to take the children to. Right, right. Well, now. So, well, I, I tried to take them this weekend and my sister put her foot down, so. And I, and I want to be careful here because I don't, I don't want to repeat anything we've said on the show, but I've done so many shows I've forgotten what's been said offline and what was said on the show. But you, you were making an interesting point to me at some point about hoping because of the success that Deadpool has, um, has had that you don't, you don't, you're afraid studios may take the wrong message from said success. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's an, uh, you know, a superhero movie, but it's got a hard R rating on it, and it's made a fortune. And so already they've, uh, the studio, within like two days of Deadpool opening, announced that Wolverine 3 was going to be rated R. Mm-hmm. There's a rumor floating around that the DVD or Blu-ray release for Batman versus Superman is going to have an R rating. Um, and I think that, you know, as is often the case when... You know, this copycat industry, they see something work and they all jump on it like, oh, we'll do the same thing. But they do this. They they try to do the same thing without realizing what it was that worked about it. Right. Uh, Yes, exactly. And I think that just, you know, having read Deadpool in the comics for years and stuff, he seems like that one character that fits having an R rating. Mm -hmm. You know, he... He, he's a bit irreverent, you know. He breaks the fourth wall, just and not that that means an R rating, but you know, it's just the the merc with the mouth. You can have him, you know, say a couple more f bombs in the movie than you could in a PG thirteen movie. Now I understand that. I think there's some uh, some you know adult kind of uh, romantic scenes in this movie, if right, you will. Right. Uh, that is another reason it might have gotten a, a, an R rating. But I think that it, this is just one of those cases where it fit for the character, it fit for the story that they wanted to tell. Whereas I fear that a movie like Wolverine 3, they're going to put the R rating on it. And all it's going to mean is that you're going to have like Zack Snyder 300 level like blood splattering the screen. Mm-hmm. You know, every time he uses his claws to slice into a guy. And I think that 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 has the potential of damaging the character because if, if you're just going to use the R rating as an excuse for blood and guts and, you know, to really show him go feral and, 
and stuff like they've they've done that successfully already without that mm-hmm. and it allowed and, and it's allowed him to keep a little bit of his humanity in it whereas i'm afraid that if we just see him ripping people apart he's just going to look like a beast well and that's and that's the other thing it's like there's a lot of fans it seems like that really want to go that route with him but i i'm just wondering how much of the comics have you read you know he there is that element of humanity to him. He is willing to go off when he needs to. And those claws aren't made for, you know, scratching the back. But at the same time, um, I don't know. I think there's an art for things to be unseen, you know, with an understanding of what's just happened. Right. I go to The Dark Knight, um, you know, which is a fantastic movie. And it was very violent without a lot of gore. Mm-hmm. And, and stuff that, like the scene uh, where they go to the one gangster and with the Joker and you know he thinks he's dead and then the Joker pops up and he's holding him there in the knife he's like you want to know how I got these scars yeah and you know and he's like why so serious and we're led to believe that he slashed the dude's throat but it never shows it you know it's it's something you you understand he killed the dude and and so I think that. You know, Nolan got it right. But I also think, I heard someone say the other day talking about these movies because they were talking about it in terms of the Batman v Superman stuff as far as, they're, they're, I guess it's been announced that there'll be an R-rated cut released on Blu-ray and, and whatnot. Um, and, and and someone mentioned, said, oh, that's great, an R-rated movie for kids. And someone, yeah. said, and someone said, well, it's not for kids. And he said, I beg to differ. I walk through the mall almost every day, and I go through the kids section at Macy's when I'm going into the mall, and all I see is Ben Affleck's face on little shirts and Superman on little shirts. He's like, it's all it's it is being marketed to kids in in some ways, and and so and that and and that's the other thing is there were a lot of kids, there were a lot of parents who I had to tell, yeah, don't take your kid to see Deadpool, yeah, you know because it's not it's not for kids, and there was some disappointment from the kids because they were thinking, all right, another superhero. Yeah, uh, well, that's the situation I've had with my nephews. Mm-hmm. My seven-year-old nephew spent half the weekend this past weekend pushing around his Batmobile and playing with his Batman action figure. You know, he yeah. can't wait to see Batman versus Superman. Yep. We've had we've had my twelve-year-old nephew Ethan on the show. We Batman versus Superman was is one of his top five movies that he's looking forward to this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. You know they. It, they don't want an R-rated. And why does Batman versus Superman need to be R-rated? They're both good guys. I just... It's... <laughs> it's, it's Deadpool it, didn't make all the money it made because it was R-rated. Agreed. That's, that's what they're missing here. Well, let, let me ask you this. Not, and having not seen it, you know, as, as both of us have not. So let's talk about something with... Let's do what everyone does on the internet and act as though we know what we're talking about. Um, Is that what we do every show? I guess so. Uh, <laughs> um, is is there? Do you think there was a way for Deadpool to be successful with a PG thirteen rating? I'm sure. I'm sure it could have been successful with the PG thirteen rating. Deadpool was successful because. The people involved in making that movie understood who this character was, Mm -hmm. understood who this character is, and had a dedication to putting out the best story they could possibly tell. 
that's why the movie was successful. Because I, I tend they, to agree. Yeah. You know, it, it's like James Gunn doing Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, he knew who these characters were. He stuck to his guns on it. You know, these movies that work and are successful, it's because the people believe in the characters, believe in the story that they're telling. Yep. Not because they put in three more F-bombs, some gratuitous nudity, and, you know, had blood and guts flying around on the screen. I I mean, I, I tend to agree with you as... as- now... The R rating probably, without having seen the movie, the R rating probably helped them tell the actual story that they wanted to tell. Sure. And I believe I read that they kind of campaigned to get an R rating um, because it was integral to the story that they wanted to tell. It had something to do. And and, and I think without having just a little bit that I know of the movie, I think that at the heart of the movie is this romance between – Deadpool and uh, and his girlfriend or his wife or whomever it is, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that was a strong part of the movie. And so, you know, the the sex scenes that they did or whatever were integral to telling how deep that connection was for him. Right. That that's my guess with just the little I've read and without having seen it. And so in this case, the R rating meant something to them. It wasn't just. Uh, we're going to just gratuitously do this and make it R. Right. And I think that's the key. And I think that most artists get that. I think that most artists who are involved in these things understand that story and character, and a lot of times character sometimes over story, are what really matters. Right. Um, You know, because you look at a lot of what Marvel has done, and everyone, you know, I say everyone, it, speaking in hyperbole, everyone liked uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But as many people as liked Guardians of the Galaxy, almost as many people said the villain was really weak. Yeah. You know? And but we liked, we liked the five core exactly, heroes. Exactly. And the connections between them. Yeah. You know, with Wolverine 3, the, the rumor floating around is that the story is going to be Old Man Logan. Mm-hmm. Now, Old Man Logan as a comic book was awesome. It was a brilliant idea. Um, but it, it, that's not an R-rated story. Right. You know, there was a scene or two that was really gratuitous that kind of explained why he was kind of in the situation that he was in. But you could you could do that in a PG-13 way. Mm-hmm. So I just – I'm just worried and, and again, all it's going to take is one or two of these to come out rated R and completely tank, and then they'll stop doing them. Right. Well, I mean, it looks like Marvel Studios is is, is holding the course as far as that Marvel Cinematic Universe that's been. Doing. Well, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they control, the Disney right. version right. of it. You know, but the the Cinematic Studios that is part of Fox, the mm-hmm. X franchise. Yep. Yep. You know, that's where they're talking. You know, Wolverine being R-rated. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Well, the, and, and of course, the DC stuff, the Warner Brothers DC stuff, they are actively trying to be as different from Marvel as they can. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that that's... I also think that's to their detriment in some ways. But, you know what? I'm not making the billions of dollars to move to do these things. Yeah. So, 
Um, <laughs> or just paying them the money that allows them to do these things. Also, it needs to be said, we're not condemning a movie we've not seen. No. No. No, not at all. We're just, we're just saying that the, the, the wrong lessons could be taken. Yes. From- I am not... I have no criticisms without having seen it. No criticisms about Deadpool having the R rating. As right. I said, I think that in this case... It fits. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is that we're concerned about other films jumping to an R rating just because they can now. Well, I've maintained for a long time on this show. I mean, even way back in the early days of Geek Out Loud when it was just me sitting behind a microphone in my office uh, recording stuff and trying to be fancy with the editing and everything. I, I said way back then that I found comic books as, as a kid, 10, 11-year-old kid, and got really hooked in. Now, I'd already known some of these heroes because of Saturday morning cartoons and, of course, Superman the movie and that sort of thing and the Incredible Hulk TV show. But what what I've always been impressed by, even back then, was I can go back to, as an adult, not all of them, but a lot of the comics that I read as an 11, 12-year-old kid and still be engrossed and engaged in what's going on. And I think that that is the impetus that is on comic writers, movie writers today for these superhero franchises is to is to figure out a way to make these things universally appealing. Yes. Something that parents can be okay with taking their kids to and something that adults can still watch and say, really dug it, it was right on. Because I think most of the time what most adults want outside of those characters and in, in story, which, you know, whoopty, you know, of course, we all want characters in story, but I think most adults who are fans of the material just want the material to be honored. And they want to see what's been on the page in some form or another come to life. You know, and and that's what I think most people have been excited about with some of the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, particularly Iron Man. I think everyone was just blown away with, they took the heart of Iron Man, uh, they ramped up, in my opinion, ramped up the personality of Tony Stark a little bit by having him be Robert Downey Jr., and but everything else was just glorious. That Iron Man, when he gets in the red and gold armor, in two in the two thousand eight Iron Man, it's like he stepped from from a comic page into real life. Right. And and I think that's what that is a huge element of what people want. And so I think that when you saw the previews for Deadpool and he's wearing the red and black suit, it's not some weird mutated has his mouth sewn shut. You know. Ryan Reynolds that this is Deadpool and he's cracking jokes and he's you know doing doing all the stuff that he's doing that that a lot of comic fans were like finally yes now in all fairness I was never a big Deadpool fan in the comics I like him popping into some comics here and there sometimes uh and he's funny and all but I've never been like I've also I was also not a big fan of Wolverine Punisher and that that genre and that type of hero i'm a very i like my heroes real clean cut i'm a captain america guy you know uh i am a i'm a spider-man guy the 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 most anti-hero hero that i follow is the incredible hulk so and i love the incredible hulks <laughs> <laughs> but even you know and compared to like the punisher you know the hulk is is a puppy you know, because the Punisher's like walking around, just uh, gonna gonna kill people for jaywalking, 
Whereas, no, he's not. Well, that's always been kind of no. the thing. No, the Punisher goes after those who need to be punished. I understand, but the, the, the thing is, is that's always been kind of the joke, uh, even amongst Marvel fans, is like, the Punisher's that guy that, if he's having a bad day, he'll shoot someone for jaywalking. If the Hulk is having a bad day, he'll destroy a whole freaking yeah. city. <laughs> And then he'll go sit on the uh, at the top of a mesa looking out at the sunset feeling bad about it. That's right. He'll feel bad about it. The Punisher will feel no remorse. No remorse whatsoever in The Punisher. He's just a mean dude with every right to be. Not to digress, but I'm excited to see uh, The Punisher next weekend. Ah, uh, it's coming up. Yeah, that's next the, weekend. The second yeah. season of Daredevil premieres hey, next Friday. What you, you know what I like that I... I it's weird because I don't know that anyone else liked it. I like Tom, the Thomas Jane Punisher. I freaking love the Thomas Jane Punisher. It has it has one of my favorite lines in, in all of cinema history. And what's that? It's when the dude looks at him after he's nursed him back to health, and he's like, Via con Dios, my friend. Go with God. And, and, and uh, Frank Castle turns around and looks at him and says, God's going to have to sit this one out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my Lanta. It's about to be on. And Look, then, I'm just a sucker for Thomas Jane. I'm pretty sure I've said that on the show before. Have so. you? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember you actually admitting that. You got a man crush going? Uh, I do a little bit. Okay, all right. Well, that's fine. Look, it goes back to Boogie Nights, man. <laughs> What's that? I didn't. I've Thomas never seen. Jane was in Boogie Nights. Yeah, I've never seen the Boogie Nights. So, oh, oh, one of the greatest movies of all time. Doesn't Marky Mark try to sing the touch in that? He does sing the touch in that. You got the touch. Another yeah. reason. There, there is uh, Don Cheadle tries to sell somebody the TK four two one sound system. And the whole movie is full of like geek references. Geek re- like wow, that. who who uh, who did that movie? Who made Paul the- Thomas Anderson? Okay, yeah, I've and never- I know you like the uh, the Adam Sandler blue suit movie, right? Don't you? What's the the blue suit movie? Oh no, but it wasn't you. Sorry. I got you confused with somebody else. Well, now wait a minute. I'm a big fan of Adam Sandler. What was? Oh, you're talking about the. Um, what was? I forget the name of it now. Not Spanglish. No. Um, what was that? The name of it now. It's it's Punch the, Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love. I've never seen it. Oh, okay. well, never seen. Like it. I said, I got you confused with somebody else. Okay. Apologies. Well, I'll probably let me. Um, but yeah, I mean. It, Thomas Jane, uh, for me, like I said, goes all the way back to Boogie Nights. Then he played uh, he played um, played Mickey Mantle in '61, uh, Billy Crystal's movie about Roger Maris. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fantastic in that. He's just done a lot of great quirky stuff. He was in The Mist, which was amazing. Tom Welling was in The Mist. Was he? He was in the remake of it or something. Yeah. Or maybe that maybe that was the fog. Was yeah, the, the mist is the one the Stephen King, right story. Let me hold on. Let me let me just see real quick. Let me let me IMDb that for you. Maybe it was called the fog. Where, no, where monsters were coming out of like the fog and killing people. Tom Welling, aka Clark Kent, aka star of one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah, it was called the fog. Okay, but that's not the no, one. No, that's that not the mist. You're right. Yes. That's <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Please understand how one can make that error. 
He's just good. He, you know, the kind of actor that can play all sorts of different roles. He's on that sci-fi series, The Expanse, right now. Um, so just an actor that I've liked for years and years and years. <laughs> well, my apologies to the chat because I just clicked over and they were telling me it was the fog. And then someone, uh, Rod, bald-headed Rod of the Goliverse Book Club said, check the chat, Steve, as though I could automatically know that he said that. But, And then Mark all says, why are we even here? I'm sorry, Mark. I'll try to do better. Hey, Erish. Hey, Steve. Let's pass the corn. Is it that time? It is, man. Let's do All this. Right. Pass the corn. And Pass the Corn is brought to you by listeners like you at patreon.com slash geekoutloud where you can support the shows directly and we appreciate everyone's support at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We're going to be making some changes to uh, our goals, not necessarily the rewards, but the goals situation uh, so that you guys can kind of see where we're wanting to take this whole Goaliverse thing. So uh, check out patreon.com slash geekoutloud and be like Dana Bias, our featured supporter this week. Super spy? Maybe. Most skilled fighter in the known world? An argument could be made. All I know for sure is there are several evil organizations who are no longer around because of Dana. Dana Bias, our featured supporter from Patreon.com slash GeekOutloud on this episode. Now, Erish, I have not talked the Goaliverse, the Goaliverse, the Ghostbusters trailer on goal yet. Oh, well, we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to do it. There's a lot of controversy surrounding. I don't pay any attention to the controversy. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. It's all just nonsense. Um, it's all just fanboys mad because it isn't exactly what they want it to be. Well, you know, my podcasting partner for life, Derek Russell, I, I saw him today bemoaning the fact he was he was talking about. I forget who he said had passed that he was kind of upset about, and then he said between that. Ghostbusters fandom and Trump winning Mississippi, uh, he's just kind of wanting to go to bed. And, <laughs> and and my response was, can you really call it fandom? When the hate is that vitriolic, can you really call it fandom? But nobody hates on something more than a fan does. Well, yeah, I guess, but I just... I, look, it's one thing to be to be logically critical of something. It's another thing to spew hate on a person who's involved in a project that you may or may not like. What were they, what was the hate being spewed? Oh man, they're, they're coming after, uh, Leslie, what's her last name from SNL? Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones. People are coming. I mean, all of them are from SNL. Right. That's, I'm sorry. (laughs) They're coming after Leslie Jones for, uh, playing a typical African American character that she's not a scientist like the three white women are. You know that she worked. Ernie Hudson wasn't a scientist. Well, right. We had a problem with that, and that's what they're saying. They're saying that you know we've come fo- we've come so far. Why can't we do that? And and so she's responded to. She liked the role. She was excited to be a part of it. You know, and then people just started hating on her because of that. She's um, got some of the best scenes in the trailer. That's what I thought, dude. When she when she grabs Melissa McCarthy and Melissa McCarthy's head does the yeah. you know exorcist thing, and she says, "Oh, the devil is a liar." Uh, I lost it. 
And look, if you're going to complain that her character is the same as Ernie Hudson's, then at the same token, why aren't we complaining that the three scientist women are all nerdy and geeky and misfits, just like the three men were in the original two? Right. It's like, come on. Well, I've also heard people say that they just don't think it's funny, that they think the jokes are played out. And, you know, I I like to think that they're not showing us the fun. Well, and that's the thing is too often in these trailers, you see all the funny stuff in the two minute trailer and then you see the movie and you don't laugh. Right. Because what was funny, you already saw. Right. You've seen you've seen the funniest bits. But I look, I like the look of everything. I like the feel of everything. I have I'm making this call right now. Here's my prediction and I'm going to put it out there for everyone to hear. I think that because they've been saying it's a it's a hard reboot that this is not um, this is not in the original Ghostbusters universe, but they start the whole trailer with thirty yeah, years it, ago, yeah. you know, for the scientists you know started this thing, and then later on in the trailer you hear Melissa McCarthy's character say someone has developed a machine or a device that is causing paranormal activity to spike in the city. I'm making the call right now that Ray has gone nuts and he ends up being the villain of the story. Well, thanks for spoiling that, Steve. That's just, I'm calling it. That, I'm just calling it. Dan Aykroyd will show up, but he's going to be the guy who... I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I can buy into that. That's my call. Um, I, I'm with you. I, the, the look of the, the ghosts looked amazing. Mm-hmm. That first ghost that you see, I was just like, you had me at that first ghost. Yep. So crisp and clear, but still ghostly. I love the colors of it. Like, oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, It just, it it looked fun. And look, I just, I don't care. I just want new Ghostbusters stories. Agreed. And here's the thing is, is if you go back and you watch the original Ghostbusters, it's a great movie. It is it is funny. I remember playing Ghostbusters on the playground. It was one of those things, but it also I don't I don't know. Sometimes I question what merits passionate fandom sometimes because as good as a movie as it was, I've always seen that as more like in the catalog of a Bill Murray or in Dan Aykroyd's catalog. You know, that that yeah, kind it's of like thing. Caddyshack like, or something. Yeah, you know, it's it's you great. watch it like once a year, you can recycle lines like crazy, but you love it, you but know. but it's not one of these life changing movies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, your whole room is decorated with Ghostbusters paraphernalia. Right, right. And I'm sure there's one or two or three fans out there that are. Mm-hmm. And I'm not dogging on that. I think that's great. But I also think that that the internet lends itself to people who are going to speak in hyperbole. And I think that's my thing is I am, I am over hyperbole, you know, of, of people just saying this is the best thing ever, or this will be the worst thing ever. No, it's not. And society's not going to come crashing down. If this movie's not good, yeah. you know, if the movie's not good, then we'll move on to something else. But from, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's funny people directed by a funny director who, you know, it, it, who I think there's, it's going to be hard for them not to make this a good movie. Yeah. They, they'd I have agree. to, they'd have to work at making this movie not work. I agree. So, um, I, and, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. Well, and look, Ghostbusters has a special place in my heart because I was in Ghostbusters too. 
That's right. You've shared that before. So, like, long live the Ghostbusters for me. Which, and uh, I'll be honest with you. I told that to my seven-year-old nephew over the weekend, mm-hmm. and he just started laughing like crazy. <laughs> like that, you know, that amazing, like, little kid, seven-year-old, I can't stop laughing laugh. Right. Like, just, he, he thought it was the funniest thing he had ever heard. Well, I'll and tell it, you this. It Ghostbusters 2. Go- Ghostbusters 2 is, I don't think it's a better movie than Ghostbusters, but I think it has some funnier jokes than Ghostbusters. Um, um, the first time that I got to go out and uh, visit the offices at Lucasfilm in mm-hmm. San Francisco, yeah, you, you walk through the offices and it is like, it's offices slash like ILM museum. Nice. Because they have chips and props and everything hanging around. They have the full actual painting of Vigo the Carpathian just like hanging on this giant wall <laughs> in this hallway when you walk in. And I just walked in and saw it and just stopped. And I was just like, I, I was like the character in the movie where he gets like possessed by him and just like, Vigo, <laughs> like just walking up to it. It was so freaking cool. I love I love the moment when he, when, when the little dude's walking around, he's like, everything you're doing is wrong. I want you to know this right now. Yes. And when he's talking to Vigo and he's like, I command you, command me, Lord. Yeah, his, Peter McNichol. Yes, Pete, his yeah, his yeah. lines his lines were just great, and uh, the stuff. Look, you can't beat the Statue of Liberty walking down the street to into an awesome Jackie Wilson song. That's right, exactly, exactly. So, someone is uh, <laughs> someone's being bad in the in the chat, guys. Come on now. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, dude. Uh, that's that's oh, my story. My. That's my story, and sticking to it. So uh, that'll be and, out and later. For, uh, we're getting a new Captain America trailer tomorrow. Tomorrow, that's dropping. Yep. Why yeah, are we getting? They, a new- they dropped a teaser trailer today. Not a teaser trailer just, for the trailer. You know, united we stand, divided we fall, kind of thing. Mm. Just shot quick shots of the characters. I thought the last one we got was going to be the last one we get. Ah. Uh, I saw it on the interwebs today. Nice. Captain America coming tomorrow. Well, there you go, Marvel Studios. Thank you so much for that. I'll have to check that it's out. It's going to be the longest Marvel movie yet. I th- it's going to have to be. 143 minutes. What? Holy cow. That's longer than Batman v Superman, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Yep. Gee whiz. We are in the month of March, and uh, we've already had some openings uh, this month. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot with Tina Fey. Uh, WTF, Steve. That's right. Which is, um, it's about her being embedded. She's a reporter embedded in Afghanistan and things kind of go south. Right? Yes. I believe it's it's based on a book written by, I believe, the first TV field, female TV reporter that was embedded in Afghanistan. So the the movie is loosely based on her book. Now, is this a drama? It's a comedy. Okay, it's a comedy. Dramedy, comedy. I mean, the trailer certainly played it for funny. Right. Well, Tina Fey is funny, so. Yeah. Uh, But it it could not stand against the force that was Zootopia. No, nothing could stand against the force that was Zootopia. How was Zootopia, sir? I know you saw it with your reviews. I really dug it. Yeah. It, it was, I really, I thought the world was 
was really interesting, really unique. There's definitely more that I want to see from it. You know, the, the premise is that all mammals are now sentient and, you know, they're all living in peace and harmony together. The predators uh, no longer hunt the prey. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those anybody can be anything they want kind of messages. Hmm. So the main character is uh, a, a female bunny, Officer Hops who she's the first bunny on the police force. Um, and she's got to solve the mystery of all these, all these animals that have disappeared. And she teams up with uh, a fox who's kind of like a, a grifter on the street played by uh, Jason Bateman. And right. the, the two of them sort of reluctantly work together to, to solve this mystery. The, now the one of the trailers, which was basically just an, a, a scene from with the, the sloth, with the sloths, just had me rolling in the floor, laughing. I, I don't know. That was a little nails. On, I very much was the bunny in that scene, right? Like, oh, <laughs> but, but it's a brilliant scene because it's like you know, it, the sloths are. The, the workers at the DMV, and we right. all know how horrible the DMV is. Yes. yes. Um, and so just everything is super slow. I just, when he tells him, when he tells him the joke, and the, the look on the sloth's face goes from just boredom to that huge grin so slowly. Yeah. It is hilarious. And it's become one of my favorite gifs. Uh, it's just that the way that he did that's that grins. But the other thing is I saw a, a TV spot where the captain or whatever standing in front of the, you know, doing the briefing for the morning's like, all right, let's talk about the elephant in the room guys. And the elephant just kind of looks scared. He's like, happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and that's, that was the thing that really surprised me about the movie. It, my nephews loved it. They were into the story. They liked the characters they were laughing at parts. They love the action. But the movie is littered with humor that is for adults. And when I say that, I don't mean like raunchy or, you know, questionable. I mean stuff that adults are going to get. There, you know, there's references to movies and TV shows. There are a bunch of Frozen jokes in this movie. Um, there's you know, all kinds of like sly references like that, the elephant in the room thing, mm -hmm. you know? And so, I mean, there were scenes in the movie where I was just bust out laughing <laughs> and my two nephews are looking at me like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, I'll explain it to you after the movie. <laughs> so it's not a Shrek thing where it's, there's some innuendo thrown in here and there. No, no, it's uh, you know, it's it's a Disney movie, mm -hmm. but it was it was fun and inventive. I mean, one they the the city Zootopia has like different sectors. Mm -hmm. So there's like Tundra Town, which is the frozen part, and that's you know where like the polar bears and the Arctic animals live. There's a jungle area where your jungle animals live, but then there's a little tiny city. A little tiny neighborhood that's all tiny houses and stuff, whereas like where the mice and the shrews and stuff live. And it's just it was just so inventive the way it was all connected together and the way the characters all interacted and stuff. So yeah, I dug it a lot. Again, that a lot of times I don't go to these animated 
features because I don't have kids to take with me all the time. So I usually wait till they're out on the, the really weird thing is we saw it, you know, Friday afternoon around five o'clock. Yeah. My nephews were, there was only like two other kids in the theater. Everybody else was senior citizens. Well, that makes sense. When and I'm they a, were all laughing like crazy. Yeah. Now when I'm an old man, I'll be glad to do that, you know, because then you're just the kindly old man who just likes his cartoons. Yeah, but I'm like, are we in the right theater? Yeah, we... <laughs> it was that there was that moment as the as the, all the trailers were rolling. You're like, are we about to watch like uh, what are we? What is out right now that the senior citizens would dig? I have no idea. Yeah, dude. The last time, well, one of the last times I went to see Star Wars, there was a senior adult couple in in the theater. Uh, it was just me and pretty much them. And uh, and they were just loving it. I'm like, I've never really thought about how old people watch movies these days. Oh, there was a movie that came out. There's a movie that came out years ago. I think it was called Sirens. Mm-hmm. Um, it had uh, Hugh Grant in it, but it had Elle McPherson in it and a bunch of other beautiful women. And the women were naked quite often in oh. the movie. Um, and every time you'd see them naked, like this old guy sitting behind me, just be like, Oh, Oh no. Oh, (laughs) Oh. And finally, after like the third or fourth scene, his wife is just like, well, you stop it already. You're embarrassing me. (laughs) Oh, it's nice to know. Not all old couples are cute. Um, well, now as we get into what's coming out, uh, later this week, and beyond. Uh, this Friday, March 11, um, I want to talk about this one first, The Brothers Grimsby. Okay. Uh, this is Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, he finds out that his brother is a spy, is a super spy, and so um, they end up having to team up after a mission is messed up uh, to defeat a terrorist organization. I got to be honest with you. I'm not the biggest Sasha Baron Cohen fan in the world. I didn't care for Borat and I didn't see any of his other stuff. And I never watched like the Ali G show or whatever. Um, talented dude, but I've just not into him. So this movie hadn't really even seen some of the trailers and stuff. Hasn't really done it for me. I'm with you. I mean, I saw Borat. I laughed. Um, I think he's really talented. He was great. in uh, Talladega nights, Yes, yes, indeed. Ricky Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, the guy's got the guy's got a world of talent. Uh, this, you know, this is definitely a movie I'll get on Netflix or something. I'm sure there's going to be some funny scenes in it. Um, but I, I kind of feel like we we just went to here last year with Spy. You know, yeah. the Melissa McCarthy yeah. movie. So yeah. there's nothing about this that's uh, going to make me run out and see it. Well, Louis Leterrier directed it. And, uh, of course, he did the Transporter movies, which everyone loves. Yeah. And, uh, of course, he did The uh, the Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, which I love. And um, and so he knows how to do the action and stuff. It's just be interested to, to see how he handles the comedy side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Uh, this, this, to me, this looks like a Saturday afternoon, if nothing else is going on kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or if, if I hear a lot of good buzz about it, then, you know, I'll probably end up checking it out. Um, the one that I'm really excited about, and I hope I'm able to see this weekend is 10 Cloverfield Lane. This is a movie that came out of nowhere. 
they, I mean, like they kept it quiet. They kept it quiet. In which, let's be honest, I think that if you wanted to make a secret movie in the past year and a half, it was the time to do it. Yeah. Because all attention was focused in on Star Wars. Star Wars, Batman, Marvel. Right. So, you know, and, and, it, and I'm just glad that th- this kind of stuff can still be done. You know, because once this thing came out, internet fans were abuzz simply because of the name Cloverfield is in there. Yeah. And it's still kind of up in the air. Is this a direct sequel? Is it same universe? Is it? You know, I've not heard any. Of course, I haven't really sought out a lot of information after watching a couple of trailers. I'm like, I just want to kind of go into this. They've blind. been very coy about it, and yeah. I think that that's a good thing too. Yep. I just don't feel like Cloverfield would be in there. That name, I don't think, would be in there if it didn't have some because they have to know that people are going to connect it to Cloverfield. Yeah, well, and I think that that that's part of the hook for this, but. I gotta say that first trailer that mm-hmm. came out with the, uh, you know, the I think we're alone. Now, I think it was I think we're alone now song that right. was in it was just fantastic. Yes, yeah. I mean the way the the, the way the song st- starts out all you know happy and stuff and then starts to break down as the trailer goes along. It just really built up that tension and that everything is not okay in this situation and what is going on here. And yeah, it, it had me at that trailer. I purposely, I didn't want to see anything else. Yes. Right. Because I knew it had me already. Well, and it's got John Goodman for crying out loud. John Goodman. Well, and interesting, you know, last time I was on, we were talking about newsroom. Mm-hmm. And so the guy, the young guy with the beard in this movie is yeah. Jim Harper from newsroom. Oh, nice. I did not recognize him one or two times. I watched the trailer. And uh, the female lead is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is best known as the girl with the changing hair color in Scott Pilgrim. Mm -hmm. I also know her from, I do know her from Sky High. Yeah, Sky High too. Which is a good movie, by the way. I just watched that a few months ago again. Yeah, it's it's a a great movie. movie. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, So, dude, I'm really looking forward to this. How did you feel about Cloverfield? I dug Cloverfield. Me too. Me too. I liked it a lot. I mean, the weird thing is, is that my office is like two blocks away from the big tower that they were in at the end. So, oh, wow. Which is the CNN headquarters now. Okay. Um, it's a just, it's just a weird, every once in a while, I'll just look up at that and be like, okay, that's where the Cloverfield monster was. That's a, <laughs> I, I haven't seen it in a few years. because It hasn't been really around. Mm-mm. It just made me sad. In the end, I was like, oh, they died. Because um, I was really rooting for those kids, you know? And uh, and I, and I it's so funny. I, that, that, that movie was actually coming out, again, probably within the first year of me doing Geek Out Loud. And so all the viral marketing they were doing, because you remember back in like 07, 08, that was the thing. Yeah, it'd be was, like, we're going to start a website. You go to the website, and there's clues on Yes, there. yes. And so, you know, so we were tracking that stuff and following that stuff and all. Yeah. And, um, and I remember going to see the movie, and I dug it. I really liked it. And I was surprised to find out that so many people were like, well, why, this is stupid to be a handheld camera movie, because why would you hold the camera through the whole thing? And I'm like, oh, come on. just Just accept the format and roll with it. It's something that... At that time, that format was being a little bit overdone, 
and it was something that hadn't been done in that format. You know, everything was yeah. horror, 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 or or some type of uh, action thriller. This was a monster movie, a giant monster movie. You know, and um, and of course the whole process of kind of hiding the monster and only showing him in bits and pieces until the very end there was, you know, one of those things that kept you engrossed in the film the whole time. But I really wanted to see... It was actually like when the toys came out that that's when we really got to see what the monster truly looked like. Yeah. And so I really... But I really wanted to see, you know, at least a few of those kids live. And it just seemed like every time you turn around, they were just, you know, in trouble. And they all end up dying in the end. Yeah. So, but the monster's alive. If you play that little clip backwards in the... um, (laughs) It it says it's still alive, so go find it. I might have to I might have to dig up Cloverfield and yeah, watch it. Yeah, I kind of want to see it again now yeah. too. Um, the following week, Friday, March eighteenth. Uh, well, let's, mid- well, let's talk about Divergent first. Do, do we have to talk about it? Can we just say it's coming out? Yeah. Okay. I, and I'm, I mean, look, I'll say this: I haven't seen any of the Divergent Me movies. Either. Like, I. I what there's like 112 of them or right. something like that. Yep. But I will of all of them this one looks the most interesting to me. Like it's got a good cast. Mm-hmm. Jeff Daniels is in it, a couple other people that, you know, I recognize that intrigued me. The action looks pretty good. I mean, of all of them this is the one that I'd be most inclined to see. Yeah. So, well, I just I've not watched any of them and I know they're a hit, you know, I know that they're making money. And and so I was a little bit too cruel by saying do we have to talk about it? But I just I have no knowledge. Like I can't even tell you a character's name. And, and these YA dystopian things just all feel like the same story. Yeah, is this not the same thing as like those maze movies? Yeah, and the same thing as like I'll probably get hate mail for this is the Hunger Game movies, and mm. it's just all the same. Now, you you like the Hunger Games or no? No. Okay. I saw the first one. I tried when it got so big. I tried to like read the book, and I just couldn't. I couldn't. I saw the first one in the theater, and I watched the second one at home, and yeah. I just it, none of it works for me. Yeah, I watched the first one because a friend wanted me to watch it, and I'm like, okay, you know, we were just kind of having a movie day, and I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it. Okay, just you know, in, for the sake of friendship. And I was like, all right, I see where they're going. That's cool, I guess. Now let me show you the Running Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, my biggest, my two biggest problems with the Hunger Games is one, Katniss is just too passive a character for me. Hmm. I just, and, and especially in the first movie, I just felt like she sat back and let everybody else do all the stuff. Yeah. Um, and two, I just don't buy into this thing where there all these adults cheer for kids killing each other. Yeah, it it's it, it turn it into a Super Bowl kind yeah, of atmosphere. I'm, it just doesn't work for me. It's it's like where what happened to get you to this point? You know, Running Man worked because it's like it's grown it's, men who are criminals and they're criminals. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, I agree, and it's it's very unsettling to see children going out to kill one another. Yeah, um, I I I tried to read the book as I said and. It was written in first person, mm-hmm. which, you know, to me, if you're going to write a story in first person, you got to be very careful um, because immediately you've got to like the narrator. 
And in this one, I just didn't like it. it there were it was too descriptive as a first person narrator, uh, you know, describing the feel and the taste of berries. And I'm like, you don't. Whenever I put a berry in my mouth and taste, I'm like, oh, that's really sweet, or, you know, oh, that tastes really good. I don't like my teeth have broken the skin of the berry and the juice has exploded in my mouth and the flavors filled over. I, you don't talk that way, and so you you walk a fine line of having to describe things you know, to fill in the imagination, but at the same time, you can't make it so foreign, at least for me, yeah. you can't make it so foreign a way of talking that I don't connect with the speaker. I'll tell you who does a great job of first person narration. Uh, and it's, and, and, and I'm reading it right now. Uh, I'm reading 11, 63, the Stephen King book. Yeah. Um, that's all told in first person from the first person perspective. And like the the narrator, he admits up front, he's like, you know, this is my story. I'm telling, and I'm the character. You got to get to like, and like he just kind of, it it it's really interesting in the way that that King acknowledges. All right, here's my challenge to you now. If I'm going to tell the story this way, so let's do this. Right. And 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 nothing is ever over described. Nothing is ever over told. It's just like here's what happened to me, and here are the conversations I had. Here's how I felt, and. I'm I'm completely engrossed in this thing uh, because I'm into the character and and the journey he's going on in this in, in this thing and so and I just couldn't do that with with the Hunger Games I couldn't get there. Well, look, when it comes to Hunger Games, we are very much in a minority. I understand. I understand. So, I am. I, there's legions of fans. Oh, and I, sure. know, I know many of them. You know, our, our, our friend Trisha Barr is a yeah. massive Hunger Games fan. So and there's, and you know, I'm not, it just I just admit that you know what, it just didn't work for me. Right. It's not and, my and thing. That's it. It's not my thing. If someone wants to come on and, and sing the praise of Hunger Games, this is a safe place to geek out about the Hunger Games. You know why? Because the Hunger Games isn't sparkly vampires. So we're good to go. <laughs> Uh, but I say, uh, well, let's let's just upset every Democrat. <laughs> oh no, it's been said for a long time on this show. Jokingly, we don't like Star Trek, but in all seriousness, we do not talk about Twilight. Uh, I, I like Star Trek. Oh, I know, and that's fine. But you're just not going to talk about it on this show. I don't. I don't want to hear about Star Trek. Let's talk about the other movie that comes out next. Let's Friday, do this because this is interesting. I always. One of my five can't-wait-to-see-this-movies of the year. Talk about the Midnight Special. <laughs> now, what is this movie? Um, honestly, you know, I don't... It's, it, it's a kid who has some sort of powers. Oh. The government is after him because he has some sort of powers. I mean, and his dad is trying to hide him away and protect him. I mean, so it's like this chase movie, and it's very. It, it start Michael Shannon plays his father, General Zod. This is like you know geek cred all over the place. General right. Zod is his dad. No, Joel Edgerton, uh, Uncle Owen, is I think one of the guys who's trying to help him. Mm-hmm. Not positive, might be a government agent, but I think he's trying to help him. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, Mary Jane, she's uh, I, she's got some sort of relationship with the father, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Driver, Kylo Ren, 
I believe, is some sort of reporter who's trying to follow the story. Um, but yeah, it just, it has a very, the thing that really intrigues me about the trailers for it is it's got this like 80s kind of sci-fi vibe okay. to it. Okay. It feels like Close Encounters. It feels like huh. Starman. It feels like E.T. It, it, it's a movie that it's about characters first and the effects and all that other stuff comes second. All right, can we can we take a minute here and and uh, give a listen to the trailer while I watch it? Yeah. What do you know about Alton Meyer? Give it a fits. Things would break, cars would shut down, that kind of thing. Others have described seeing things. Did he show you things? Yes. What kinds of things? I wouldn't know where to start. We need to know where he is. what you're dealing with, dude. It's okay. It's okay. Let's go! Move it! Move it! Move Every day believing in things. You don't have to worry about me. I'll always worry about you. I like worrying about you. That's the deal. It's okay. I know why I'm here. Oh, take my money. Mm-hmm. Dude. Okay, for you weren't people weren't watching it, so as they said, stuff's breaking, stuff's breaking down around the kid. There's there's a scene where people are running through a hallway and lights just shattering behind them. Uh, you see the kid at one point, his eyes are glowy, so he's wearing these goggles through most of the trailer. Then at one point, there's a glowiness going up his arm and out his hand, uh, a light shining, and it looks like he actually gets caught by the government at some point. Um, so, wow. But it's got, like... Do you agree it has like that E.T. or yes. that Close Encounters? Yes, that definitely. That kind of 80s sci-fi definitely. sort of vibe to it? Definitely. There are coordinates at the end of this thing. Um, I'm going to plug them in. Oh. Oh, do it. <laughs> Let's have some fun. 34.1768. 1768. Well, that's probably where they're going. Uh, 118.3523. 118.3523. Let's see what happens here. If it'll bring up our Google Maps. Mm, maps. Mm. This is somewhere off of Provincial Road, State Road 249. This is somewhere out of 
Is this China? Yeah, this is in China. Hmm. Huh. You sure you put those coordinates in correctly? Well. Because it does. <laughs> 34 point one seven six eight. Doc asks if it's in Texas. Uh, no, this is, I mean, yeah, it's there. They're in right on Google Maps, so. I just, I, I my feeling on this is that, look, I don't think it's going to have a strong box office showing. No. I don't even know how wide a release is this, this is going to get. It's going to get trumped by the behemoth that comes out the week after. But I think that come the end of the year, this is going to be a movie that's going to make top ten lists. Uh, this yeah. is going to be a movie that's going to have word of mouth throughout the year that people are going to find and they're going to watch and they're going to love. That's the feeling that I get from watching this trailer. Well, and the guy who directed the movie, uh, Jeff Nichols, mm-hmm. his two previous movies, uh, Take Shelter, which starred Michael Shannon. He was a father who was obsessed with building a tornado storm shelter in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Solid little movie. And then his next movie was a movie called Mud that starred uh, Matthew McConaughey, which was a fantastic movie. This guy is a great filmmaker, and I think that this is the movie that's going to launch him into that next plateau. The, um, it's, dude, I'm telling you, like, it evoked emotion in me just watching that trailer. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the key is like, Already, I'm feeling for this kid. I'm feeling for this family. Did not recognize Kirsten Dunst, by the way. Um, I think people forget that she's actually a good actress. Yeah. Um, you watch her turn in uh, uh, Interview with a Vampire. And as a little girl, she's scary and engaging and mm-hmm. just, you know, it, it's it, 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 she's fantastic. Um, the other thing I want to say is, I, I know it's been night special, and you and you sang a bar too. But I want to let you know the first song that came to mind <laughs> when I saw it was was this one. It's Greg Allman on Geek Out Loud. Yeah, so, but that's not Midnight Special. I think it's Credence that does Midnight Special, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. I think so. Uh, dude, I'm looking, I'll, I'm going to seek that one out as soon as yes. I can. Because like I say, I, I like you said, I think it may be in limited release, but it definitely it definitely has my attention. So. Uh, <clears throat> well, and we talked about the behemoth that opens the weekend after that, which is uh, Friday, <laughs> March 25th, and... No, Steve already mentioned it at the top of the show. That's right. My Big uh, Fat Greek Wedding 2. Greek Wedding 2. Erish, i got to be honest with you. I thought there was already a Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. There was a Big Fat Greek Wedding TV series. Okay. I'm not... I, I guess I need to get myself immersed in the uh, 
in, the, in that universe before. Do what's that? And big fat Greek weddings. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm going to go be a wedding crasher, but only at big fat Greek ones. No, I, I guess I got to get myself immersed in that universe before this. So. I, I, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, know. obviously, I, I, obviously, it was successful enough to spawn a oh, TV show, and the then first one made a gazillion dollars. It yeah. was a huge phenomenon. It came out of nowhere, and just banked massive cash. Um, produced by uh, Mr. Tom Hanks and his wife Rita Wilson. Well, that, that's why. Um, turned Nia Vardalos into a star. Yep. You know, big, 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 big deal. Um, and I've never seen it. <laughs> Me either. I, I haven't either. And and I I was so unaware that a second one was coming, and like to the point that I thought there had been a second one, and then the TV show. Yeah. So, but also coming out on that day, which is Friday, March twenty fifth. Um, yeah. And look, if you're listening to the show, you know what's coming out on Friday, March twenty fifth. It, it's a movie that we all want to be fantastic. It's Batman v Superman: the Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Um, I look. I I may. I have not been super impressed by any of the trailers and stuff. I've been I've been very open about that, but that doesn't mean that I don't want this movie to be. Amazing. I was really impressed with the scene that Jimmy Kimmel was in that got cut from. The movie. Oh, that was hilarious, sir. That was a great scene, and I really wish that they had kept it in the movie. <laughs> Guys, I got Superman over here and Batman. I got <laughs> Superman and Batman over here. <laughs> Now, as I was saying, I will punch you out of the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> um, I look the they released a final trailer that was very Batman heavy. Yeah, with and and, and I, that got a lot of people excited. It got me excited too. But it I'm, got me more excited. And but my thing is, it's like it makes me sad as a super Superman fan. Um, that we haven't gotten that trailer that really focuses in on Superman. You know, I I feel like marketing wise they should have done that. Uh, well, and it well just to say you know choose a side. I almost think they should do the same thing for Civil War. Um, they have done that for Civil War. Have they done an Iron Man heavy one? Not an Iron Man heavy one, but they're really using the the hashtag. Whose side? Right, right, exactly. I mean, they're they're pushing the two sides mm -hmm. big time, and, and there are specific character posters for, you know, each of the individual characters on each side and stuff. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that now in the the six weeks or so ramping up to the release of Civil War. Mm -hmm. We're really going to start getting that choose choose a side marketing. Well, and with Batman v Superman, they've done that with Serial at least. Yeah, so uh, I just I think that look I, the the three Dark Knight movies made a gazillion dollars. That's right. Certainly outperformed the the Superman movies. Yes. Uh, the actor who plays Superman, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right now. Henry Cavill. Um, yeah, he is not, you know, the Oscar winner mega movie star that Ben Affleck is. Agree. So Agree. It, it, it makes sense that. If you're going to give this movie a big push, you're going to focus on Affleck. I agree to all those points, but I also, I also feel like we left Superman and Man of Steel in such a spot that 
you know, I hope we get to know him a little bit more. Yeah, in, in, in this I, I, movie. I agree. You know, I I really again, and it, and that's coming from someone who's a huge Superman fan, um, someone who actually liked uh, Superman Returns. You know, um, and and so watching these trailers and seeing that that Batman trailer, I think it's great. I think it's really cool. I think they've nailed it. You know, as far as Batman goes, it's like, can we can we swing around a Superman now, and and figure this character out? And from some of his dialogue, I think it is like there's the moment in one of the trailers where he's like, "Just stop this." You know, if I wanted you dead, I could have already done it. Yeah. You know, you see that, he, and and there is that cool moment where he's just standing in the road, and the Batmobile comes drifting around the corner to to avoid him, and Superman just stands there, and the and the, and the Batmobile grazes him and just goes spinning out of control. Yeah. You know, and I'm like great that's to me that's as cool as a bullet to the eyeball uh in in superman returns i'm like that's that's the kind of moments you want to see you want to see superman's indestructibility and but here's the thing this is what's interesting to me i spend a lot of time with non-fans casual fans moviegoers who just you know found themselves digging these superhero movies but not really immersed in any history or any knowledge of anything and for some reason, everyone is accepting Captain America versus Iron Man in Civil War. Everyone's just like, yeah, I see that coming. The question I get asked most is, why are Batman and Superman fighting? I thought they were friends. But people accept that in Civil War because the foundation's been laid right. in the other movies. You know, in Avengers 2, we've seen them. I mean, in Avengers 2, they're actually going at it in the lab. Yep, yep. You know, they, they have done the legwork in their movies to to make that plausible that these two guys aren't going to see eye to eye. Whereas in BVS, there's been no legwork done. Well, and you know, so Because Batman hasn't appeared yet in this new right. DC well, cinema universe and so that leads me to this observation this this question this you know has you know and, and it and the, it can only be answered by seeing the movie but it is a concern if that is has warner brothers moved to this spot too fast you know should they have done because like essentially this is a <laughs> Derek always said, you know, this is not a, uh, a Batman-Superman movie. This is a Justice League movie. They're sneaking it. It is. This is the Justice League prequel, and that's why they haven't moved to this spot too fast because that's where they want to get to. Right. You know, so they're using – they basically are taking Superman 2, and, and that's what this is. It's, it's the sequel to Superman, and they're inserting Batman into it and making him the, you know, the co-headliner – and using this to launch Justice League. Because we are going to see Wonder Woman in it. Or I think we're going to see Flash and Aquaman in it. We're going to see Cyborg, apparently. Yeah, he has a cameo. Yeah, I think we're going to see all of them in Everyone, one aspect or another. Everybody but Green Lantern has a cameo in this thing. Yeah. Um, I think that you just made a good point, though, about the, the casual moviegoer not understanding why it's Batman versus Superman. And I think that... You know, a trailer addressing that might have been a better way to go than that kind of middle trailer they released that revealed Doomsday and right. and all the Lex Luthor nonsense in it and stuff. 
like focus because in the movie from you know what they're telling us you know bruce wayne is he's afraid of all these powered beings Mm -hmm. you know he saw wayne uh wayne building come down in metropolis when zod and superman fought and you know he's you know made it his mission that this guy's not going to exist um and he sees it i think as you know i'm protecting humanity and i think that you can that's an easy thing to explain in a two minute trailer mm-hmm. so that you're laying the foundation before people see the movie as to why this well, conflict is happening. Oh, Cause you know, they're going to be friends at the end. They have to be. Well, and they, I mean, they've even got witty banter. Yeah. Is she with you? I thought she was with you, you know, yeah. uh, but here's my thing. Here's I picked up on everything you just said about their conflict. Am I picking up on that because I am well versed in the comics is that why we're picking up on that? Did they not do a good job in the trailer of showing that? Because I kind of felt like they did when he says if there's even just a 1% chance that this guy could be, you know, could could go out and destroy us all, then I have to stop him. You know, that's what... Well, if you're talking to, to people who aren't well-versed in the comics and are puzzled as to why they're fighting each other, then no, they didn't do a good job of explaining that. All right. So... um. But as we said when we – look, we, we've been taken to school for being – me in particular being overly negative <laughs> about this movie. Oh, no. It's not just you, sir. I am, I am hoping and praying that this is going to be amazing. Yeah. I, look, I want it to be. I want to go in that movie and come out saying this was everything I ever hoped a Batman Superman movie would be. Yeah, I think the casting is dead on. I like Ben Affleck. I was someone who, the, the minute they announced him, I was someone who said, I'm okay with this. Especially going for the older Batman that yes. they seem to be going yeah. for. I like it. Well, and Affleck is unashamedly a Batman fan. You yeah. know, and, and so he he gets it, and, and he has a little he has a little more clout even than, when, than he had with Daredevil. You know, well, when he was in Daredevil. Yeah. And so... He's someone who now knows how to speak up and speak his mind and be heard. Uh, so if there had been something wrong with the situation, you know, this is a dude that would have spoken up and said something. Well, rumors are he's helming the Batman movie. Right, right. So, you know, so I'm I'm just saying I think uh, it's a good thing. I'm not a big fan of the Suicide Squad, but that trailer... For the, the Suicide Bohemian Squad, Rhapsody yeah, uh, to yeah. me, did a better job of selling that movie to me than I thought that movie could be sold to me. Well, and I think I'm looking forward to Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Yeah, I, I think that the movie's going to work or not work based on her. Mm-hmm. You know, she has the potential to walk out of that as like you know Heath Ledger did with his Joker role. Yeah. Yeah, I, look, I, well, well and I, Smith and everybody else survive, like, whatever. <laughs> but the thing is, is that is a movie that has the opportunity to, because, you know, the Suicide Squad, that concept, and even some of those characters aren't household character names. And right. so, you know, they have the, uh, it has the potential to really be that surprise movie the way the Guardians of the Galaxy was for Marvel. Yes. So, um, and you know, if some of the room and of course the Joker being in there and I'll be honest with you, Jared Leto is an amazing actor. I've not been a fan of the look of the, of the Joker, but 
if anyone can pull the Joker off, it's going to be Jared Leto, I think. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, but I, I say all that to say, I, I think we're in the same boat that we haven't been super impressed with what we've seen in the trailers, but we want to be blown away by this movie. Now, do you have your tickets yet? No, I don't. I yeah, don't. Neither do I. I'm not going to have and, to. And they started the campaign to buy your tickets early, like two weeks ago. Yeah. I'm not. I will go see this movie on a Monday afternoon matinee after it's released, the Monday after it comes out. I probably won't even see it during the opening weekend. I'm going to see it opening weekend. So, oh, yeah? Well, Ethan wants. He's sure. going to want to see it opening weekend. So. Well, and, and understand I'll that. Chuck, I'll chuck out the PA and see it. Yeah. Well, and understand it's not a lack of desire to go see it. It's just, you know, it, it's it's timing. It's it's having the time. It's making the time and that sort of thing. And so, you uh, got to watch. You, look, I know you, you're, it's going to be a big fat Greek weekend for you. That's, that's right. All right, you can admit it. That's right. I gotta I gotta get in my big it. fat you're, Greek wedding cosplay. The first movie, marathon the TV series, and then go see the second one. That's right, and and I'm going I'm going full cosplay. So just no, take like a big sheet pan of baklava and right. No, actually, I've mentioned um, the uh, I've mentioned this this morning on on the Big Honkin Show live that tomorrow afternoon my dad's having some serious knee surgery, and he's going to be out of commission for like six weeks, and so we're going to be rotating in and out helping my mom with him. So. Um, well, I hope everything goes well. Yeah, I do too. You know, I think it will. I think we'll be okay. It's just his he he tore a tendon in his up around his knee area, up above his knee, and he can't even right now move his leg. And can so, he just like wrap some duct tape around his leg and be he, fine in a couple well, of days? Unfortunately he tried to do that. Uh and and it hasn't and it hadn't done anything. <laughs> no, it the tendon's torn in such a way and I think even the muscle peeled back a little bit. So he's it's some major surgery he's having to have. And uh, his his leg's going to be immobilized for like six weeks. So we've got to rotate. You know, all the brothers and sisters are rotating, helping my mom with him. And it's just going to really cut into it. I, I mentioned this morning, it's going to cut into podcasting time. It's going to cut into being able to consume some of this stuff, uh, you know, that we enjoy. And so if I'm not able to see it on opening night, it's not because I'm like, I don't want to support it. It's because I just don't have time. And right. so, uh, but I'll see it, you know, the opening week at least. Um, well, you and your dad cuddle up on the couch, get a couple pints of ice cream, you know, and do some big fat Greek, big fat Greek wedding. Yeah, he'll love that. He'll be all he'll be all about that. He'll <laughs> uh, midnight special, not to be confused with Midnight Train to Georgia. Uh. A couple of it. You mentioned one anniversary movie, Arish. I've actually scrolled through and seen a couple that are worth right. mentioning. Um, and most of them, if not all of them, you can get on Amazon, guys. Look at that segue. Badoom. Uh, go to the geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com. Use those Amazon links to do all your shopping for anything you do on Amazon. And uh, it helps out the shows tremendously. You guys, this is like the second biggest way you can support the Goaliverse, or the second biggest way people do support the Goaliverse is Amazon links at geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com. Click those things. They'll take you right to Amazon. Do your shopping as you normally would. And uh, it really, really helps out the shows, as well as audibletrial.com slash geekout. We've got a Goaliverse Reads episode coming up later in the month. And uh, we're doing 112263 right now by Stephen King. That's what we'll be talking about. And uh, 
it is good. I'm telling you, it's good. It could be your free book. You can get a free audio book by going over to geekoutaudibletrial.com slash geekout. So head over there. Little Midnight Train, guys. I know you will. All right. I'm going to see if I can't run that joke into the ground, Irish. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. 1986. March of 1986, Irish. Some 30 years ago, Highlander opened up on, on big screens everywhere oh. on March 7th. I mean, hello, there can be only one. Can be only one. Now, here's what... Certainly with the Highlander movies, there should have been only one. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I love that first movie. mm Mm-hmm. A lot of people did. Now, I don't know that it had a lot of box office success. I'm looking at the production costs versus the to-date box office. And to-date box office-wise, it's only made $5.9 million on a $16 million budget. But it had a great aftermarket life. Uh, right down to, you know, as you said, there should have been only one, but there were 15 sequels and a TV show that lasted like multiple seasons. Which uh, doesn't make any sense when the whole premise of the story is that there can be only one. Mm-hmm. Well, he, then, oh, we're going to do a sequel, so there's more Highlanders. Well, I thought that they fought so that there would be only one. That's right. Well... <laughs> You, you know how these studios oh, do. But just uh, still, that first one's so good. It's so good. And with the Queen music throughout. Yep. Well, and, and, and wrestling fans from the South will recognize a, a certain tag team at the beginning who's going into the WWE Hall of Fame this year, the Fabulous Freebirds. Yep. Or at the beginning of the Highlander movie. Uh, now, I didn't see Highlander in March of 1986. No, neither did I. But I'll tell you what I did see, Erish, on that same day, opening to theaters across the globe was a movie called care bears Two: a new generation. My brother, my younger brother was a care bears fanatic. And so I went with him and my mom and dad or him and my dad to go watch care bears movie Two, And, uh, do not remember much about it. So lucky you. Yeah. Uh, also that month in 1986 police Academy three back in training. Say what you will. I love the police. Academy I love movies. the police academy movies. Those first four, especially. Oh, I my like. dad took me to see the first one. Oh yeah, in the theater. Oh no. And Blade Runner was the first R-rated movie that I saw. Mm-hmm. And Police Academy may have been the second one. Well, I they're hilarious to me. They still hold up. Oh yeah. My family loved the Police Academy movies. Now we never got to watch the first one because it was rated R. But we watched the heck. We rented and watched the heck out of two and three. And my mom just laughed and laughed at those things. She thought they were hilarious. And that's where, of course, I discovered Bobcat Goldthwait and would always try to do my impersonation of him and everything. I'm watching Family Affair. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, I, look, I just had to give a shout out to Police Academy 3 back in training from March of 1986. Uh, it looks like it took the month box office wise. Just Not looking at this surprising. particular uh, uh, this particular list, uh, followed only you know real close second was the Money Pit. A week later, or just five days later, uh, Tom Hanks and who else was that? Was that Shelley Duvall? Yeah, I think so. Uh, 
it's a pretty funny movie. And Gung Ho was that month as well. And I remember it being a who was the who was the lead in that? Michael Keaton. Yes, Michael Keaton and Gung Ho. That was the uh, the Japanese That's right. car manufacturer yes. making cars here in the States. Right. I knew what it was about. I could not remember that it was Michael Keaton as the lead. So that's all some 30 years ago in 1986. Uh, if you jump up to 25 years ago in 1991, not a lot there except for, and this is, and, and fans of this franchise will appreciate the shout out to this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> the Secret of the Ooze. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Ninja, go. go. I was just going to say that movie is probably more famous for the bad vanilla ice song. That's right. That's right. The movie itself. That's right. I got to tell you something. I heard a recent interview with Vanilla Ice, and that dude has come to terms with who he was, the music that he'd made, and is just living life, having a good time, and not shying away from the fact that he used to be a rapper doing Ice Ice Baby and that he did Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. And I appreciate people when they come to that point in their life. Because there was a time when he didn't want to oh, talk yeah. about it. He, he didn't want to have like, anything to do with it. He did a whole thing on MTV where he like smashed the videotape of Ice Ice Baby and yep. stuff and swore that he would never do anything associated with it again. Yep. And so, but he's come full circle, man. And I always appreciate when people do that. So that's 25 years ago. This is, guys, 25th anniversary on March 22nd. Spin up your DVDs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> 2, The Secret of the Use. I've never seen it. I never saw any of those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Uh, I saw the first two. Well, I'm not, and it's not that I was too good. It's that I, Turtles were just a little bit behind the curve of what I was into. You know, had I right. been had I been two or three years younger, I would have been all over it. But I just, I was a little, I was 14 and 91, and so I was a little bit past that. That so I was aware of them. I, I watched the Saturday morning cartoons when I was up, you know, but I was not like totally into the universe and everything. Yeah, one of one of the nephews asked just asked me this past weekend if I was into turtles when I was a kid, and basically gave him the same answer that you just did. Yeah, you I know, mean, it just it kind of it was a little past my time. Yep. Now look, and I'm not. I'll tell you this: when I saw the trailer for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that's coming out. And Bebop and Rocksteady are in yeah. it? I'm like, all right, I'll go see that just because of that. Yeah, I, I was like, okay, they're going full on with the toys. Yep, exactly. And, and so you've, got a, you've I, got a big van shooting out, you know, manhole which was covers. one of the toys. Yes, the, right. Uh, the big garbage truck. Yes, yes. So I'm like, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. Uh, 20 years ago this month, 1996, a little film uh, called... All dogs go to heaven too. No, um, <laughs> I wish we had the music queued up for it. The theme is so great for this movie. I'm not familiar. I've only, you know what? I've only seen this movie one time, and it was in. It was around ninety seven, ninety eight. We'd rented it. We'd heard a lot about it, and so we, me and my roommate, rented it and watched it, and we're just like, "What in the world is going on here?" And it's one of those movies now that, and I've seen it. I've seen bits and pieces because I'll tune. I'll be flipping the channels, and it'll be on. And it's one of those movies you just can't not watch. And it's Fargo. We're talking about Fargo here. A successful TV show happening right now. Oh, the TV show is freaking awesome. Is it? Yes. Yes. I've yes. not watched second, it. Second season was, first season was great. Second season was even better. What, what, is this, what does it air on? 
FX. Okay. I I've heard good things. I just yes. I haven't seek it out. Yeah. Watch it. And the thing is, it's it's kind of like American Horror Story, where mm-hmm. each season is its own story. Yeah. So, the first season happened, and that was it. It was its own story. Second season was all new characters, all new cast, all new story, but still in that that spirit of Fargo, mm-hmm. that vibe. Like it all feels like of the same world. And just really smartly written, fantastic performances, great characters. Oh, so good. And who did? I don't want to speak out of turn. By saying who did this movie because I'm I the Cohen I, Brothers. That's what I, I was I was thinking it was a Cohen Brothers. Yeah, this movie. was the one that I believe they won it the they it won Best Picture. Yeah, it was a big and I think Frances McDor uh, is McDormand her name. She's um yeah Frances McDormand. Yeah, I believe she won the Oscar for it. She's married to one of the Coens. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Buscemi is in it and he's amazing. Um. Oh, God. I can't think of the the other actor who's William in H- it. William H Macy. Sir. Yes, Bill Macy is yeah. fantastic in it. Yeah, it's just a great movie. Yeah, it's it's like as it. Well, look, I have never watched a Coen Brothers movie. That what? No, I'm saying. Uh, let me finish the sentence. <laughs> I've never watched a Coen Brothers movie that I haven't just totally gotten sucked into. All right. Um, these guys, they just know how to tell a story. On, on film and and I love it. It won uh, two Oscars, as you said. I'm looking at it right now. Best actress for Frances McDormand and best writing for Joel and Ethan Coen. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was nominated for best picture. It was nominated. Uh, uh, Bill Macy got nominated for uh, best actor supporting role. Uh, Joel Cohen got nominated as best director. Uh, it got nominated for best cinematography and best editing uh, at the Oscars. And it had a lot of other different nominations and awards at other stuff. So yeah, it was, it was, a, it literally was a little film that ended up just making some big waves, dude. As I recall, just a really solid, solid mm-hmm. movie. And like I said, the TV show is definitely, you know, certainly something to, uh, you know, seek out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, I mentioned this. We've we've talked about this filmmaker a little bit uh, in in light of uh, the Batman v Superman stuff. But um, 15 years ago, uh, this month, Memento from um, uh, Nolan, Christopher Nolan, was released, and it's you know it it was kind of his debut and his introduction, everyone's introduction to his type of storytelling where he's not a big fan of linear storytelling. And if you watch Batman Begins, if you watch The Prestige, you, you get that. You see you see what he does. But Memento is um, is a really impressive drama uh, where the guy can't remember anything after he goes to sleep, so he takes pictures to remind himself. And, and so the story kind of plays out backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really, really a good movie. I really enjoyed it. So that's that's 15 years ago. I believe that Christopher Nolan's greatest gift as a filmmaker is to think that is to make people think the movie they just watched is better than it actually was. <laughs> I don't drink the Kool-Aid nice. on him. Well, I look, um I really dug the prestige. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I like Batman Begins. Yeah. Uh, I like Dark Knight, except for the last 15 minutes. Um, I liked I liked Memento. I really did. I liked Memento. Inception, I only saw the one time. Um, and I felt like I didn't have to revisit it. I just watched Interstellar the other night. Oh, poor guy. And uh, I was just like, okay, uh, this is pretty to look at, you know. Um It was depressing, but, you know, it happened. And it's like five hours long. Yeah, it is very long. And an hour of that, it, well, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to spoil it. So. It's just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it, it's a, it's, it, it'll mess with your mind. It'll mess with but your mind. I, I liked the first, I liked his first Batman movie. Yeah, I did too. I loved Heath Ledger as the Joker mm-hmm. in the second one, but the rest of the movie was garbage. I don't know that the rest of the and movie the was the third good. one was just the third, a horrible steaming pile. Okay. Now, see, the third one I didn't care for. I, I liked it first. So I very much got tricked by liking it. But I always said the third one was not a good Batman movie. It was a good Christopher Nolan movie. Um, and so there's the that Batman's distinction. Batman's not even in the third one. Well, this is what I said. I said that anyone who knows Batman and knows that character knows that when things go as bad as they did for Bruce Wayne in The Dark Knight that Bruce Wayne does not retreat into Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne retreats into the bat. Yeah. And and so I thought the premise was flawed from the get-go, and and so that affected the whole thing for me. I never get into, you know, I, and I even try to stay away from the jokes that people make like, why did he waste all that time painting the bat on the thing? You know, it's like, look, you're going to have things in movies like this that are for mm-hmm. cool effect, and you just don't question it. You go with it. But... I had I just had issues with with the way that um, with the way that story was told, you know, leading into things. I, I think that there was a great opportunity that was missed to bring the whole story full full circle. Batman Begins to me was just great because it was one of the first superhero movies where it seemed like they were taking the character as earnestly as possible, yeah, without taking him too dark. Well, and especially after the ridiculousness of the. Joel Schumacher Batman Rice. Right. It was it was really it was really cool. Um I just felt that with the second one in particular, it was just so long. Yeah. It didn't need that whole trip to China at the beginning. It didn't need all the Harvey Dent stuff at the end. It should have just been a Batman and Joker movie. Well, that's that's what it should have been. I don't know about the trip to China. I can't speak to that. I can speak to the Harvey Dent stuff for me personally. And I feel like the movie should have ended when he had the Joker strung up, you know, waiting for the cops to come get him. And then had the button kind of like that conversation that he has at the end of Batman Begins where he flips over the card and it's the Joker card. Had the button with Two-Face on the loose and that be your third Batman movie. Um, I liked Aaron Eckhart in that role, but to me, Two-Face is too good of a character to have come to fruition and then be killed off. Yeah. And and it did have this great kind of thing of like people believed in him, and so we need to try to cover this up, and, and what are we going to do? And I just feel like that, um, that they just missed some opportunities with there. So I... You know, I like what was done for the most part with those Batman movies, but but again, it did it did kind of fall apart in that third one. And 
we're hitting that point. I don't know. I, I don't want to open this can of worms. But it seems like back in the day, I remember as kids, we would talk about these movies as the trilogies hit, you know, as, as trilogies were kind of being the thing to be done. Right. And outside of like a Rocky three, Rocky four, I mean, you hit Karate Kid three, not that good. You hit a lot of the third movies just were not really considered to be that good. In fact, they were considered to be subpar. Superman three, all these things. And so now this is what gets interesting to that child in me watching like these Marvel movies because we're getting to the third ones in the in the series. We've seen Iron Man three, which eh, which was better than Iron Man two, depending on who you ask. Yeah, you know, and you, my opinion, right? Than Iron right. Man. If you ask me, but not as good as Iron Man one. Agreed. Um, but you know, so we've got our third Captain America movie coming. We've got a third Thor movie coming, and it's just going to be interesting to see. You know, if if that. I mean, let's look at Spider Man three. I used to defend Spider Man three, Irish, and then I watched it again after having not watched it for a while. And you just said, "Oh my lands!" I, I was just like. There's there's good in this, and I could find the good. The stuff with Sandman, the the effects of Sandman were fantastic. Everything else, I'm like, what were they thinking? Yeah, you know, what is this? <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna end it on a happy note, please, because there is one third movie that you and I can't decide whether it's better than the first one or not, and that is uh, the Last Crusade. Oh. Agreed. And over the uh, weekend, agreed. I had the opportunity of showing my nephews the first two Indiana Jones movies, which they had never seen before. Really? And it was amazing. It was like being a kid again and seeing them for the first time myself. Nice. They were just so into – we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark Friday night and we watched Temple of Doom on Saturday. Oh. And they were just so into both of them. Man, I remember, I just remember the first time seeing both of those movies and just being like, I remember with Indiana Jones, it took me, with Raiders of the Lost Ark, it took me a little bit because I'm like, wait, that's Han Solo. I mean, I was real young. I understand. I was that really was young. Evan. Evan had all sorts of Han Solo questions right. as we were watching it. And then Temple of Doom, but you know, by the time Temple of Doom comes along, I'm like, I'm like, I get it. I understand. I'm able to separate an actor from their role yeah. now. And I just remember watching, we, we didn't go see it in the theaters because by that point we had too many kids to be taking all the kids to the theater to watch these movies. So we rented it. We were some rent, movie renting fools back in the day. So as soon as it's available, it's in our house, we've rented it. We're sitting around as a family watching it. And I just remember my dad laughing at my mom because she was literally on the edge of her seat just getting into it. And I was just like, this is scary and freaky and I love it so yeah. much. And with Last Crusade, you know, like, I, look, I like Crystal Skull for what it what it is. I'm not like one of these people who hate it, and you know, it's I, got some good stuff. In I don't think that anything ever ruins what has come before it, um, because you still have what came before to love and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, to me, Last Crusade was the perfect end for the Indiana Jones story. Yeah. Uh, and uh, such a good movie. Well, we didn't get around to watching that one. Yeah. So I left the discs with them. Hopefully they won't watch it without me. But, um, but yeah, Raiders, I mean, the whole temple in the beginning, like, had them glued to the screen. Um, 
the fight with the bald guy and the plane mm-hmm. at the end when Evan realized what was going to happen to the bald guy. You know, like Andy starts to cringe as the propeller comes close. <laughs> yes. Evan's just in front of the TV going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> Temple of Doom, the whole dinner scene. Yes. Remember how excited and disgusted we were as kids to that? Well, that was exactly how they were. Right. And right. Ethan was just like, Ethan's like, this is amazing. It's so imaginative and creative. <laughs> you know, that's how he's looking at it. I love the moment in that I loved is when they open the snake and they're snake slithering all surprise. over. And, and I'm like, but Indy hates snakes. You know, and and so he has to sit there and kind of fight him off with his little fork or whatever. And I'm like, that's so cool. He's trying to be cool, but he's so. I just always read like as a kid, I'm like, he's freaking out right now, but he's trying to play it cool in front of all these people because he knows he's in a dangerous situation. He has to play it cool because he's Indiana Jones. Well, and Evans asking me, he's like, he's like, are those are the actors really eating the Beatles? Are those real <laughs> Beatles that they're acting and that they're eating? And then, of course, the chilled monkey brains. Chilled monkey brains. You know, he's like, are those real monkey heads? Is that really brains inside? And I'm like, no, Evan, it's all fake. But, uh-huh. like, they were just, like, so into it. Yes, and how can and you And the alligators it? at the end, when the guys kept falling off the cliff, oh. and so the alligators, they were, like, cheering. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It had a call forward uh, in it with the... Because uh, it, it took... I was an adult before I realized that that's a prequel. Yeah, that Temple of Doom's a prequel, um, and and when I did, I'm like, well, that messes up that whole gun bit. <laughs> well, I told them that it was a prequel, and they're like, well, why didn't we watch this one first? Because <laughs> that's not how you do I'm Indiana like, Jones. Because I showed it to you in the order that they came out. That's right. That's not how you do Indiana Jones. So, um, well, that's, yeah, that was just so much fun watching that. I bet. Them. I bet. Well, um. Guys, that's going to wrap us up. Listen, we've got shirts for sale, man. You can go to T Public, uh, our T Public store, by going to geekoutonline.com slash shirts. Get your Goliverse shirts uh, from all the shows in the Goliverse. Uh, don't forget to check out our other shows Disney Vault Talk, Rebel Yell, Rock Out Loud, Mark Out Loud. We've got a new show with Jimmy Mack of Rebel Force Radio coming down the pipe called Rock Out Lead, where I basically just sit back and record Jimmy Mack uh, geeking out about the music of Led Zeppelin. Oh, and I'm going to have to listen to that. The first episode's coming soon, and it is it is good stuff. Jimmy Mack does what he does best and waxes eloquently about the Zap. So be looking for that in your Rock Out Loud feeds. Um, don't forget Amazon links, patreon.com slash geekoutloud. If you want to email us and talk about any of the things we've talked about, tell us how wrong we are for hating on Batman v Superman. Uh Shoot us an email at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at geekoutloud. Follow the entire Goliverse at Goliverse. And uh, you can follow Arish at Darth underscore Duff. I'm at Steve Glosson. And uh, as I said, follow the whole Goliverse, man. That's where you do it. I do want to mention this. The Star Wars Podcast Awards are being done. And Rebel Yell is uh, nominated in several of them. For Best Podcast Network, the Goliverse, under the name of Geek Out Loud, has been nominated. So do us a favor. Head to StarWarsPodcastAwards.com if you're so inclined. Vote for some of those things. It'll be really cool to make like the next level of eliminations or whatever. 
and be Both there for them, folks. Steve and Teresa work really hard on these shows. Well, yeah, we do, and it's but we have fun, and um, and I tell you, the one that perked my ears up the most was the the whole podcast network thing. There's a lot of hard work that goes into the Goliverse, and I think it'd be really cool to be able to say that we're an award-winning podcast network. So, uh, official or not, StarWarsPodcastAwards.com, vote for the Goliverse shows and any other shows that you deem worthy to be voted for over there, and we greatly appreciate that. Erish, my brother, I appreciate you coming on and, and fighting through all the computer problems and being here, sir. Always a blast, Steve. Always a blast. And thank you to everybody who tweets us and listens. Really appreciate your support. Really quickly, I want to get you to plug something. Uh, C2E2 is coming up this month. I don't. You're not going to be there, are you? I am not going to be there, but uh, Random Ho- our Random House Del Rey crew will be there. Um, our new Star Wars editor, Elizabeth Schaefer, will be there. Um, author Claudia Gray is going to be there. We're going to have some cool freebies. So uh, definitely swing by the booth. Say hello to everybody there. Tell them that Erish said past porn. Yes, definitely. They'll be like, what? <laughs> but I know uh, we've got I know yeah, we've... tons and tons of free books. Oh, wow. Well, I know we've got some listeners. So, yeah. I know we've got some listeners headed to C2E2. So, you guys, make sure you swing by the Delray booth and let them know that you love Erish and what he does. That wraps it up for us on this episode of Geek Out Loud. Guys, thank you so much. Hope to see you around the Goliverse. With our next show, for Air Schoenerweiss, I'm Steve Gloss, and we'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. Let them in that show.